you tried to kill Dr. Forbes at the inn last night? No. Don't keep lying to me. For years, I've worked to change your appearance, make you talk. Yet you endanger all I've done for the sake of your stupid animal jealousy. It's the same criminal who tried to kill you at the inn. But why should anyone want to kill Larry? Where's Noel? You surely don't suspect him. since you had yourself a big hot screaming ear full of forgotten horrors. <laughs> well, that's too long. Pull in close now for a crepuscular half hour or so of the Forgotten Horrors podcast with your hosts, John Woolley, Michael H. Price, and my own self, Wolf Brand Jack. <laughs> And thank you once again, Wolf Brand Jack. Thank you, Michael H. Price. And also thank you, Billy Wiggins from the Forgotten Horrors Podcast Facebook page. Uh, Billy suggested that uh, we talk about Dr. Renault's secret uh, on our podcast this time around. And uh, we thought that was a good idea. And so that's exactly what we're going to be doing here on the Forgotten Horrors Podcast. My name is John Woolley. That's uh, Joey Hambrick at the controls. And right now I'm staring into a very <laughs> odd Zoom screen. It's I'm kind of disoriented, <laughs> like a comic book panel. And then there's Michael's name and then there's my face. And so if I sound a, a little bit more uh, disengaged than usual, I'm just confused. Um, let's talk about Dr. Renault's Secret, a 20th Century Fox film from 1942, which is kind of a tour de force for uh, uh, J. Carol Nash, the great character actor. And uh, I don't know, you know, Joey, I know you like for us always to uh, do a, 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 a kind of a synopsis. And yeah. it's essentially about uh, a guy named Dr. Forbes, who's coming to Paris from America to marry the niece of a cat named Dr. Ronald. Now, Dr. Ronald is played by George Zuko. So, you know, probably that Dr. <laughs> there's going to be something uh, odd going on with Dr. Ronald. What's what is really odd is that um, he is picked up by a helper of Dr. Ronald's named Noel. Oh, no, Noel, isn't it? I think it's Noel, right. Noel, who takes him out to Dr. Ronald's place. And, uh, and pretty soon, without giving a lot away, um, they, he comes to find out that this Dr. Forbes starts thinking Noel is just a little strange. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, he is. And then you've also got Mike Mazurki, who kind of steals the show and is not even credited in the movie. Uh, but then went away, and besides J. Carroll Nash, it's kind of Mike Mazurki's, Mike Mazurki's film. He's uh, Renault's uh, gardener, I guess, or, or something, and, and he's up to no good. And uh, the whole thing is, is kind of 
an excuse me horror film almost. <laughs> Am I, does that sound right to you, Michael? Very sad character study, a piece of work in that sense that Fox made many horror films, but most of them were detective films disguised as creepy mysteries. Like the um, Chan pictures, yeah, like the Charlie Chan pictures, like like the uh, like like many of their detective franchises, of uh, they dealt in the horrors of crime more so than in the horrors of big science or the supernatural. Uh, when Fox did uh, turn uh, turn everything on to compete with the Universal Pictures horror movie machine or RKOs. Uh, they went all out, and these uh, Dr. Reno's Secret and its companion film, The Undying Monster, uh, give Universal a run for their money. They do, and they look, well, of course, it's 20th Century Fox, so they're going to look great, right? I mean, the lighting is going to be first class, and uh, and the sets are going to be really nice, and and they're not, you know, you're not going to confuse them for any of the monograms of the PRCs that were coming out around that time, right? But they also, there's just kind of, you say, it, it is a character study, even more than it's a horror movie. I mean, there are horror trappings, but it's not, it doesn't follow any sort of horror film pattern. No, it's 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 big science, bad medicine, and the emotional after effects of violence. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you don't get a lot, you do get some violence. Uh, there's a there's a, a, a lovely little sequence containing a a production gap uh, where uh, Noel as the uh, as the title character that is the secret uh, tears into Mike Mazurki, and <laughs> you can see some you can see some piano wires holding up the right, right, right. Uh, That's not a fatal flaw. That's not even what I'd consider a flaw. The headlong momentum of this picture is such that you don't think about gaffes. You think about, wow, I've never seen a story like this before. Well, well of course, there have been stories like this before all the way back to the, uh, well, Gaston Leroux's novel, Balu, the Demon Baboon. Which uh, some uh, some say that that inspired this film. It was not credited, but some say that this exactly. inspired this one. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and of course, the whole notion of uh, either vivisection or interbreeding or however the line between ape and human is crossed, and that's giving away of probably a bit too much. I mean, we learn that Noel is not what he seems. Right. And I've never seen Jay Carroll Nash in a role like this anywhere else before. He was, he was, uh, you know, an Irishman who could play any ethnicity. Yes. Uh, yes. He, could, <laughs> he could, he could make himself up to be a uh, sinister Fu Manchu types. He could make him, he could, he could carry himself to be a, uh, mild and pleasant or he could make himself threatening uh he, he did he did one of the best batman villains you've ever seen right in the columbia in the columbia serial yes. uh, but uh, what to say about the origins of this story well there's a a fairly near ancestor in the uh, in the notorious uh, pseudo documentary called ingaji yes in which uh, an interbreeding of apes and humans is suggested. Likewise, the uh, uh, the Poe story and the universal picture thereof, uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue. 
which uh, finds Bela Lugosi conducting experiments kind of similar to what George Zuko as Dr. Renault is accomplishing in this picture. So how about Island of Lost Souls? Oh, definitely. Then that's H.G. Wells all over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the bucket goes to the well. So far, the bottom hadn't fallen out. Right, right. There's it, it's uh, I guess you could say it would be one of it would be a mad doctor film. I mean, George Zuko is is a mad doctor. Well, those it, luminous eyes. Those oh, luminous oh, eyes. My yeah. God. You know, he, <laughs> he, he, he played essentially the same role many times, but he always made it imposing and impressive and memorable. He, he never was a rubber stamp actor. No, and he and he seldom had the almost A picture, say B plus picture trappings that he had with yeah. this, right? I mean, he just and he and you know he kind of raises his game because usually you see him in stuff like the Flying Serpent or you know some of the PRC stuff or you know that kind of thing, and and of course Universal stuff as well. But but here it's just it's it's I say it's an excuse me horror film because it 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 doesn't. It, it, it builds very slowly. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it starts out just kind of creeping you out a little bit with the Noel character. And then it, it, you know, it takes a while to put everything together. It is not structured at all like uh, a universal, say. Oh, no, no, dear, no, no. Nor is it structured like a Val Luton RKO horror. It is not. That's there absolutely is, right. It, and, and you can see... Uh, you can catch Republic trying to, at times, trying to imitate RKO. You can catch uh, Monogram trying to emulate, not imitate uh, Universal style. Mm -hmm. uh, this film, and it's, as I mentioned, the, the, the Undying Monster, the companion film, uh, they are uh, unique in the history of horror films. And they are, uh, my late partner, George Turner, uh, used to refer to the to the Fox spookers as horror movies for people who don't like horror movies, but he was being facetious. Uh, it, it, this one is a horror film who, for people who, who find that there are uh, horrors in seemingly everyday normal circumstances, like the ostensibly normal environment of Dr. Renault's clinic. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Good point. It's a very good point. And, uh, you know, Zuko is good, is very good in it. Uh, J. Carroll Nash, I suggested, as a matter of fact, Joey and I watched this film together mm. and uh, we had a double feature. I suggested a J. Carroll Nash double feature. And you can actually, if, if you want to try this at home, anybody within the sound of our voices, uh, you can go to YouTube and find Brilliant, a beautiful print, of course, Dr. You're saying Renault. I guess it is Renault, isn't it? Uh, that's the, yeah, the French pronunciation. Yeah, Dr. Renault's Secret. And uh, coupling Dr. Renault's Secret, which checks in under an hour, with a short, uh, Don Siegel's very first short subject that stars J. Carol Nash as a kind of an embittered um, ethnic character, Greek character, I believe he is in this one, uh, in a film called uh, Star in the Night, a short oh. called Star in the Night. Uh, both of those, both of those films, Star in the Night and Dr. Renault's Secret, Dr. Renault's Secret, are, uh, are on YouTube. 
and it makes a great double feature you get in at, in and out of in under an hour and a half. <laughs> it's wonderful. And it's J. Carol Nash, two, just two real great sides of J. Carol. You know, one of the things that's interesting to me about this picture is both of the, uh, both the male and female leads, the, the romantic leads, like change their names. Uh, their, <laughs> their stage names. How often do you suppose that happens? Um, John Shepard, who plays Dr. Forbes, uh, became Shepard Strudwick. Sure. And Shepard Strudwick, of course, did a, a, a lot of stuff, including the loves of Edgar Allan Poe, which may be one that we might want to look at at some point mm -hmm. uh, in, in uh, the Forgotten Horrors podcast here. But uh, he did the loves of Edgar Allan Poe, but he did a lot of, you know, he did a lot of pretty good films as Shepard Strudwick. He was never a, 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 a top leading man, but he was like a second a lot of times in big films, he was a second lead. And, uh, and then later on, he was a soap opera star up right. until the end of his life, the 70s and 80s. And then Lynn Roberts, who is uh, the female lead, Dr. Renaud's niece, um, she was Lynn Roberts when she started. Then she became Mary Hart. Sure. And it, right. Remember, and, and did some and under both of those names, she did some Westerns, a lot of Roy Rogers Westerns. I think she's a female lead in several of those. And then she got tired of Mary Hart, apparently, and became Lynn Roberts again and added an E to Lynn. Correct. So you've got some, some uh, you know, uh, sort of confused. Well, I guess it's not, they're not really confused, but just, you know, I, when I started looking this over, I did not remember that John Shepard was actually Shepard Strudwick. Mm -hmm. So you've got some kind of personality things or, you know, some, some odd things going on there. And I, I apropos of nothing, believe me, but I just think it's very interesting. The two famous, those, the two those odd little accidental details. That yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, the scariest moment I've ever experienced in waking life, not, not literally scariest, but one of the, one of the creepier uh, revelations I've ever had in waking life, I was, in Chicago on some movie business and uh, where we're taking the studio bus to the screening room. This was about two late eighties. And we're taking the scenic route through some of the ethnic neighborhoods in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get into this picturesque old world looking neighborhood. And we pass a very classy Victorian mansion with a sign out front that read George Zuko, DDS. <laughs> Whoa, <clears throat> is this Halloween or Hollywood? <laughs> did, you have a, did, you, did he look like anything like Dr. Renault? I, I, believe, I believe the gentleman was descended from George <laughs> Zuko. I, I, never, I never, never investigated, but, but I, I did inquire casually once and said, yeah, it's, a, it's some descendant of, of the great actor. It's <laughs> wow. like, oh boy, like, okay, show, show me, show me the, show me the John Carradine rehab clinic. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, this film, you were talking earlier about how, and I hadn't really thought of that until you, you mentioned it. And it's really true that the 20th century Fox horror films, such as they were, tended not to be horror films, but they tended to be 
crime films with horror elements. I mean, you yeah. think about Charlie Chan at the opera, for instance. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. With Karloff, right? And, and certainly some of the, at least some of the Michael Shane pictures. Yes. Um, yes. The Man Who Wouldn't Die comes to mind. Yes. Um, and, yes. of course, the, the inevitable recommendation is for anyone who sees Dr. Renault's secret and finds it admirable is probably going to want more of the same. Well, okay, jump from there to the Undying Monster, jump from there to the to the, to the Michael Shanes, uh, into the Charlie Chans, uh, weird mystery. Uh, well, you know, crime melodramas are in a large sense, horror movies. Right, right. Sometimes they're lumped together uh, with, you know, so, uh, for instance, when the shock theater films came along and, uh, you know, when they got kind of start, started scraping the bottom of the barrel of the shock theater films that were that uh, that Screen Gems was releasing to television, the packages after Shock, I think it was Son of Shock and Son maybe Shock. another, uh, there was a pretty good group of mysteries in oh, that, yeah. that package. And uh, I think, honestly, some of the creepier things were the Mr. Motos too, Michael. Oh, Mr. Moto was scary. <laughs> he was scary. He Peter was not. Laurie, Peter Laurie was ruthless in that role. And and some of those have some real horror trappings. Yeah. Uh, some of the Mr. Motos. I'm a big fan of those Mr. Motos. I love Peter Laurie. And he it's been was a while since I've seen any of those, and they're always worth a, a second look. Yes. Uh, the, uh, it, it's interesting, of course, to see how the Mr. Moto pictures, few of them as there are, crossover and tie in with the Charlie Chan pictures. Right. That's right. And when, in fact, one or two of them, one Charlie Chan became a Moto or Moto became a Chan. I think it was a Chan became a Moto. Didn't I it? think that's right. Yes. Because, because was, uh, Warner Oland had, had passed, I believe. And I believe and, that's uh, right. I believe that's and when Warner Oland got Number one son, Key Luke, shows up in, in Mr. Moto. <laughs> With yes, Mr. he does. And of course, ends up showing up in some of the monogram stuff, too, right? In the Mr. Warren. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So there's all those connections. Uh, but this, all of the films we're talking about have one thing in common besides 20th Century Fox. And you know what that is? They're, they were all out of the Saul Wurzel unit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Saul yeah. Wurzel produced them. And Saul Wurzel had been, uh, what, uh, Fox's, uh, William Fox's, like, right-hand man. Right. The, the chief protege turned, turned uh, say, yeah, second in command. Yeah. And the, uh, and, and the, uh, there was, uh, there was a uh, popular uh, tendency to refer to Fox's B unit pictures or budget unit pictures as the little Foxes. Mm -hmm. uh, referring to the famous play, of course, but with a, a kind of a deeper, deeper old Hollywood meaning. Yeah, and also now was Brian Brian Foy was on that lot too at one point. Oh yeah, yeah, and had the seven little Foys, you know, who had done been a vaudeville guy, right, with the seven little Foys before becoming a producer. Right before they before the Foy family crossed over into Eagle Lion Pictures. That's correct. Yes, but this is Wurzel, and uh, you know Wurzel did a ton of stuff. But he figured out, I guess, for 20th Century Fox, I guess they had really under Wurzel just about the most uh, commendable B unit of all of the major studios. The beauty of those of, of the of the so-called little foxes under Wurzel was that they do not look like. B movies, no, like they and there's there's nothing disgraceful about that status. It simply refers to the fact that they came from a uh, a unit or a department within the studio that made pictures with less 
monetary investment, less promotional hoopla, and a great deal more willingness to take chances. Because there wasn't as much money involved. Right. There wasn't as much money involved. These They could get outrageous. They could do a twist on the um, ape into man or ape into human picture uh, that was that would be unlike any other very obviously way unlike Universal's ape woman. Oh my yes, yeah, very yeah. much unlike. Yeah. But, and and you know, I, uh, you're talking about double billing. What would what would Doctor Renault's secret make a good double bill with? I've always thought it as a sort of an inadvertent companion to uh, of mice and men. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I oh. can see that. Absolutely. There's, there's a, an immense emotional sadness about both pictures. It might be a little, if you watch both of those back to back, Michael, it might be a little too sad. Well, it's, it's heavy duty stuff and they do make a nice match set. And that's why, well, that's why I like to show uh, 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 Star in the Night, which is just full of, of, uh, of, uh, of sentiment and uh, Christmas sentiment and everything because Dr. and all secret, you feel so badly for, uh, for J. Carol Nash's character mm-hmm. that you want to see him uh, redeemed. And so yeah. I don't know if I have watched that in advice and men. Well, you know? what are you going to, what are you going to do? You're going to uh, preferably, you're going to take this topic, the idea right. of, of surgery or interbreeding or whatever it takes to cross that line between the species. And you're going to follow it to a logical conclusion. You're going to find a lot of really awful movies like the recently uh, remastered and reissued in Gadget. Uh, But you're going to find descendants. And there are are elements in Dr. Renault that show up almost literally once again in in a picture from the 1950s called The Neanderthal Man. Yes, yes. Including, including the accidental discovery of photographs that have been kept by the doctor like a diary of how he does this transformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd never thought about that connection before, but you're absolutely right. Sure. There's a lot, and it's, it, it, but still, this is one of those films that just unfolds. You know, some, it's, you know, we've talked about before uh, a lot. Uh, in conversation and on on the podcast i think we've written about it too about films that are a little bit better than they need to be yep and you know this is one of those films they did take a chance with this film it it's 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 not i i would be interested to see some of the original promotional material for just to see how it was promoted was it (laughs) promoted like a real like a universal creep show or was it you know, was it more, uh, was it more subtle? I mean, this seems maybe subtle is the word I mean, there's not a lot. I don't mean that it's, you know, that it's completely subtle, but it, it, it creeps up on you. Yeah. And, uh, what do you think about, what do you, what do you make of Mike Mazurki's, uh, part in it? Mazurki was a terrific actor. His, his immensity and his, uh, kind of straight out of Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, character, often obscured that and that's why you see him in so many um memorable but not essential uh supporting roles yes Uh, but when he's given a chance to play um like who's the villain here well uh the criminal is dr zuko george zuko the the uh, the the menace is uh the innocent ape creature uh (laughs) mazurki he's not innocent 
No, no. He gets what's coming to him. And I, he was a Mazurki always impressed me kind of like Fred Wynn did. He was just too big, too jovial, too tough looking. Right. To be taken seriously as an actor. Uh, you take Fred Gwynn's immensity away from him and, and leave the, the sheer concentration of talent, and he becomes Jimmy Stewart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You look at Mike Mazurki, well, there is no... Uh, uh, Maxie Rosenblum comes close, but I don't think Maxie Rosenblum could have handled the villainy the way Mazurki does. No, no, I think you're right. And uh, he was more of a, Max Rose was more of a, uh, more of a, a, a comic character. Although you've seen, I know you've seen Mazurki in comic parts, but there's nothing yeah. comic about this part. I mean, he's, no. he's malevolent in, yeah. in this, this show, his character is. And I think it's very funny that, I mean, all these people, they got four people who are billed and, uh, uh, and uh, it's uh, it's it's J. Carroll Nash and John Shepard, Lynn Roberts, and George Zuko. He's he doesn't even get billing in the picture. Strange, isn't it? And he's got a huge, huge and pivotal part. I mean, without him, uh, without him, you might say that much, if not all, of the horror wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about his character as a catalyst for 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 what happens in the picture. You know, kind of one of those leave well enough alone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's always good to see Jack Norton doing his drunk act too. Uh, oh yeah. Which uh, he'll, the first time I saw him ever, I, I think that those of us who watch a lot of older films, he's just one of those characters that the moment you see him, you know, I mean, he did one thing and he did it in a ton of pictures. He's like our, our guy from uh, Tulsa, William Benedict. Oh he, yeah. He was a, Western Union guy. There you go. That was it. You know, I mean, but he did it in like millions of films. And uh, and uh, the same thing goes with Jack Norton as the, as the drunk early on. And I do want to mention, and this is just one of those connections, kind of like the people, the, the two romantic leads who changed their names. Uh, the, did you know, did you see who the art director was in this I picture? Haven't, I haven't noted that. It was Nathan Duran. Oh, Nathan Hurts. Nathan Hurts. AKA Nathan Hurts. That's right. Yeah, heavy, heavy duty behind the scenes credentials. Yeah, he Attack of the 50 Foot Woman directed that. Brain from Planet Air is what? Deadly Manus, 20 Million Miles oh, to Earth. Yes, yes, Seven Voices of Sinbad. That's right. And uh, and he was the art director here. So that must have been obviously very early in his career. Oh, yeah. He was he became uh, he became a one of those baby boomer monster kid icons. Oh yeah. Late 50s and early 60s. And it's a it's you know, I'll tell you one of the things that disturbs me, and again, I I I won't we won't we don't want people not to be able to discover this for them, things for themselves in the picture, but um, the, uh, there's some stuff with the great Dane that really disturbs me mm -hmm. with it. There's a great, there's a lovable, I'm a big dog guy anyway. And there's a, and I know you are too, Michael. And there's a, sure. there's a, uh, there's a, a great Dane in the movie. Uh, and it, it's, uh, of course it's, it's there to show, you know, the animal animals reacting to animals, I guess, or, or whatever yeah. but it's uh, it's very disturbing that that the final scene with that great dane is disturbing to me mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. though it's not graphic in any way so there's a lot 
there's a lot going on in what 58 minutes in this picture. <laughs> it, it, and it moves, it doesn't move at a clip, it moves at a no. deliberate pace. It says all it has to say in that short a time. And uh, in my case, when I, I when I first saw this picture, it was in George Turner's collection of, of 16 millimeter prints. And uh, like, can we watch that again, like right now? <laughs> because I, I felt I had missed something. And indeed I had, there's a lot of depth and texture in this picture. Yes, yes. Which is reflected by the settings. I mean, okay. the, 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 the lighting, the camera work, uh, again, the sets, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it looks, it looks first, just first class. And, you know, we're talking about, about uh, units or on, on uh, B units on, on uh, studio lots. And I guess Val Luton had a B picture unit at RKO, right? I mean, that sure, was a sure. so that was a great unit. Uh, but I, I still, you know, Wurzel just for sheer bulk of all the stuff that he did. And you start thinking it all kind of, like you say, it all kind of looks the same. If you like Dr. Renault's secret, you're probably going to like the uh, Mr. Motos. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a consistency of, of, uh, finery there mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, all the, you know, you had the studios that were big enough to have their B picture units, and you had the studios that were so small that they were B picture units, and uh, that's the that's the grade of production that I've always been attracted to, more so than the uh, Oscar bait pictures. Yeah, you um, and me both. That's I think that's why we're here. I suspect yeah. Joey's the same way too. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. I want to ask you about. Uh, that brings up something I've wondered about. Were the Universal monster movies, the Universal horror movies, considered B-pictures in their time? Um, by the 40s, yes. By the 1940s, yes, they were. So you're talking about Frankenstein, Dracula, even Dracula's daughter, the mummy were not necessarily B-pictures? No, no, they were, they were top of the line fare. Uh, there was no such thing as a B-picture until Columbia invented the terminology inadvertently. Uh, there were pictures that had ceilings. Mm -hmm. uh, every studio, uh, they'd get too big for their bridges. They would get too successful. They would suddenly start losing money because they had become arrogant and overconfident. And then they would pull back with budget ceilings. And that eventually led to the B picture. Uh, the, uh, a lot of people think that B represents some kind of school marmish grading system as to quality. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, I always thought that it uh, it meant the second, basically the second feature on a double bill. In the many support, in many cases, yeah, yeah, uh, and and yet in many cases the second feature on a double bill was the superior picture in terms of production. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You look at the uh, you look at the the famous double bill of. Uh, the Blob in 1958. What was its companion film? I Married a Monster from Outer Space. A big B movie. That <laughs> a big B movie with splendid production values that makes The Blob look like a home movie. 
Well, I know that uh, Sam Arkoff uh, uh, and I, my wonderful conversation, the one conversation I had with him, long conversation, dinner conversation at the USA Film Festival back in the 90s, uh, thanks to my friend Mark Lamberti, who was running that, uh, mm -hmm. we talked about how the AIP's idea in the 50s was to take the double bill and instead of having an A and a B picture, an a, a, a picture and then a smaller picture in support, they'd do two B pictures. Sure. Two, uh, and they weren't, obviously, that just meant they were two low budget pictures because one would have to be an A, one would have to be a B, but they were both comparable in cost, quality, mm -hmm. and, all, and all of that kind of stuff. And he said that was, that, that was their, that was kind of their formula for success. Well, let's just keep the beep, keep the double feature idea going, but to do it with two B pictures instead of an A and a B. Well, you cheapen the budget and then you compensate, as in the case of American International, by allowing never a dull moment. Exactly. That's true. Now, now did this this film we're talking about, Dr. Reno's Secret, was it a double horror bill then when it came out? I believe it come it out was, with the Undying Monster. I believe it was double billed with the Undying Monster. I'd have to go back to the files and check that. So, in its way, if that's true, in its way, then it was kind of like what what Arkoff was doing uh, fifteen yeah, years an, later. An anticipation, right, right. Like because so. yeah, because you didn't have to have stars to have a horror movie. Correct. Like like I was saying. Uh, Fox had a B unit. American International was a B unit. That's true. That's true. And, and, and if it took a cue from that, all to the better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's we, I, I know, obviously, I can tell that it's, you've got a soft spot in your heart for it. Uh, I do too. And we want to thank Billy Wiggins for turning us on to it and, uh, and uh, uh, suggesting that we talk about it because it gave me a good excuse. I'd seen Undying Monster, but I'd never seen Dr. Renault's Secret. No kidding. Yeah. No, I had never seen it. And that beautiful print on YouTube. And uh, like I say, if it bums you out too much, just go ahead and, and switch over there to Star in the Night that little Christmas film that Jay Carroll Nash stars in and that'll that, plus that will give you an idea of the width the the breadth of his talent yeah of what he could do because he's he's very very good in Dr. Renault's Secret of course they didn't give they didn't give Oscars for B-movie actors but and so I'm sure that was never considered but he's he's something special he, he hits just the right tone in that no as as Noel as a as a person who is not all person. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So I definitely, we recommend that one. And Michael, tell us now what's going on with you on the, uh, on the online. I know there's been, you're, you're having to retool your music, the music part of, uh, of, of your uh, studio. Oh yeah. Well, I'll be, I'll be developing some online distribution. Finally, I've, I've having to be dragged kicking and screaming into that realm. Uh, many of us in the business do prefer the clarity of a compact disc, but right. since the compact disc is hidden for extinction, <clears throat> uh, so it seems, uh, looks like a lot of us are going to have to be moving on to online distribution. You may have to be pressing some vinyl for some of your albums. I might have to be pressing some vinyl, but uh, you know that's. That'll come in due course. My main concern right now is getting all those audio files in order for the new, uh, whatever new arrangement takes place. And 
uh, obviously that I've, I've got I've got many uh, <laughs> many priorities beyond that. Well, I don't know how many people there are out there within the sound of our voices that uh, like both horror movies and Western swing music, but this is a good opportunity to say that if you want to hear what uh, my cohort Michael Price's musical side of his, uh, his, uh, of his uh, output sounds like, I have a radio show called Swing on This, Western Swing and Cowboy Jazz, and, and we get a little far afield sometimes, but uh, it's anybody can pick it up. It's, in, it's broadcast out of Tulsa on publicradiotulsa.org, publicradiotulsa.org, and you can pick it up, I'm told, anywhere in the known universe at 7 p.m. Tulsa time every Saturday night. This Saturday night, I happen to be playing a song, and I play songs from Michael often, but from Michael H. Price and his Western Swing Masters, one, your wonderful live version of Route 66. Is oh, that That's was a lovely, that was a lovely occasion. We were, we recorded that live at the uh, <laughs> late and lamented Caravan of Dreams. The Caravan of Dreams, Club. where mm -hmm. in fact, thanks to you, uh, I, my uh, film Cafe Purgatory showed in 1999 was at yep. the Caravan of Dreams. There you go. And uh, so a lot, a, lot of, a lot of connections there. I also would like to let folks know that if you want to go to johnwoolley.com, I have a newsletter and uh, that's a free thing. If you want to pick that up and, and, uh, and we do it about once a month. And Joey, uh, Joey is uh, one of the folks that's helping me a great deal on that. So we've got that going. And just uh, if you would like to continue to support us, just uh, look us up online and we've got, uh, we've got, Lots of work at popular prices. <laughs> we would be happy, be happy for you to check out. So, uh, thank you very much for listening, Michael. You got anything else? No, I think we've covered that waterfront really well. I think we did. All right. Thank you, sir. We talked yeah. to you, Joey. Thank you very much. Did you have a child in the background a little bit ago? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going crazy. Okay. It's a three-year-old. Well, yes. Yeah, that'll happen. That'll happen to three-year-olds. Thank you, everybody. We'll uh, we'll catch you again soon. Won't be long. <laughs>